Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Like Lozzy said, we've celebrated Resurrection Sunday. There is now no condemnation for any one of us. We're free, we're alive, we're filled with the breath of God. Life is exciting. Your life is exciting. And uh, I'm excited to be, isn't it good to be in church? Isn't it good that every single week we can come and, and worship together, we can stand in the presence of God and we can be given the good news, the good news of the gospel. That's what the Bible is. Every night I go, you flip on the news and it's all bad. This person's on drugs. This person's killed someone. This person's done a ram raid. This person, this somebody's house burned down. But every time I open the Bible, it's full of good news for my life. It's full of good news and promises. The Bible says that the promises of God are yes and in Him are amen. So whatever the promise declares, it's a promise to your life. I love that. I love that. And this morning, the title of my message is Exceptional Imperfection. Everybody say that. Exceptional Imperfection. And the theme for the next month is kind of God made you on purpose. I've got my good friend Peter Walsh coming next week. He's from Suncoast Church. He's coming to preach to us. He's a policeman, an army officer. He's a Bible college principal. And he's going to bring a great word for each. So bring somebody next week. But over the next month, I want you to... Re- God made you on purpose. As you are. With your imperfections. With your weirdness. Quirkiness. Faults. Failings. Successes. Excellence. God made you on purpose. And if you take nothing away from it, as you are, God sees you as perfect. And I want you to agree today with what God says about your life. I don't care, and I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I don't care what others have said about you. I don't care how you've been labeled. I don't care what you've walked through. God says you are perfect. and, and, And He doesn't expect perfection, but He does expect progress in life. He wants us to get on His path for our life and to walk that journey out. Amen. Why don't you give somebody a hug? Tell them they're beautiful. Tell them they smell great. Grab a seat. We're going to come around the Word. Today is a good day. Thank you, guys. You are phenomenal. Exceptionally perfect in your imperfection. Fantastic. Troy, as soon as we started worshipping, God brought you across my mind, and it's a brand new day. You're about to enter into a new day. And I feel like God says, just put one foot in front of the other. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to, you're going to hear his voice. You're going to come to intersections. You're going to come to places of, of where you have to make a decision. And in the past where you may have gone to a place of indecision, now you're going to boldly step forward, be able to make a decision. It's going to be a blessed decision because God's in it and he's for you. And Ruth, we've never met before. I thought we had. It might just be that beautiful face of yours. But I felt like God said, you fear not for I am with you. I will be your Lord. Be afraid of nothing. And then I got this word for you. And he's going to make right what's been wrong. And he's going to act on your behalf. And in Romans 8, 28, it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and accord according to his purposes. Down into verse 31, it says, what shall we say about these wonderful things? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? I feel like hell's tried to unleash itself against you. I feel like people have come against you. I feel there's been lies and accusations, but God is going to act on your behalf 
and he's going to bring you to a day of freedom. And I believe that that day of freedom is upon you. It says, since he did not even spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all, won't he also give us all things? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who will then condemn us? No one. For Christ died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. So I believe that's a word of God for you today. Bless you. I'm really glad you could join us. Let's give Ruth a hand this morning. Fantastic. Exceptional imperfection. I'm pumped. I'm ready for the word this morning. It may be because I'm going on holidays tomorrow for five days. It may not. It may just be that I'm excited. I get excited about the word, Michelle. I like seeing you. You are awesome. Michelle Semetsis. What a great woman. Be- this what? How do you say it? How do you say it? Semetsis. Temetsis. What did I say? <laughs> Fantastic. Let me ask you this question. Do you remember being a kid? Going on it. Justin does. But he hasn't slept all night. So anyway. Just going on adventures. Riding 10 kilometers just to check if there was any surf. You know, now I've got an app. I don't even have to leave my bed. I can, no, there's no surf. We'll go back to sleep. We used to ride 10 kilometers at 4.30 in the morning in the pitch black just to get to the beach, not even knowing if there was any way. I remember with my cousin, we were crazy, and I don't condone or suggest you do any of what I'm about to tell you, but my cousin was crazy. He was four years younger than me, Tim Bennett, and he was crazy. And I should have known better, and I should have set the example, and I should have, but I didn't. I was weak. I was peer pressure. It was just my one little cousin and me, but I was peer pressure. And we would go to the golf course and he'd say, let's steal golf balls. I go, what? He goes, let's steal golf balls. But we won't just steal the golf balls. We'll put a sparkler in their place. So when somebody chips up onto the green, we'll hide behind the bunker. We'll go up, get the ball, pull it back, and we'll put a sparkler there. When they come up to get their ball, there's a sparkler. And we'd do things like this. We'd make forts and we'd get little glove guns with little round things and we'd shoot people and shoot things. And it was, it was crazy, but it was fun. And I remember one time he lived on this really steep hill and we found a tractor tire. So in our wisdom, we thought, we should roll this down the hill. Now, there was no wisdom attached to that, but we thought we should roll this down the hill. And so we did. And it was my cousin egging me on. I knew my grandfather looking on would probably be scowling and swearing in Dutch or something like that. I don't know. But we decided to roll a tractor tire down the hill. And so we did, and it was rolling slowly and nicely. I thought, this is cool. And then it started picking up momentum. And then it turned the corner and went down the really steep section of the hill, and then we heard a crash. And so I'm sitting there going, no, it's crashed. And then a car, a Volvo, comes up around the corner, and it's sitting on its bonnet. I go, Tim, and he's already gone. And I'm left there sitting, you know, anyway, it was, it was crazy, but it was fun. It was, we, you know, we did silly things. We laughed a lot. We had fun. We, we just did what we thought in the moment. You know, we, we, we go to soccer and we laugh at kids making mistakes. We laugh at Zach and his under sixes running around like a, a bunch of flies. The ball's there and there's six of them kicking it all towards each other. Not kicking it towards the goal, just kicking it. If it comes out, we're going to run after it. But something happens. We grow up. We get smarter. We get wiser, and instead of laughing at the things we used to laugh at, now we start to get worried about our imperfections, about our failings, about the things we don't do well or we can't do. Or, You know, Zach's running along the soccer field. He kicks the ball. Four people fall over, and we're laughing our heads off. 
Now somebody at the age of 18 or 20 does something, you go, what's wrong with you? The society we live in emphasizes the external. The way I look, the way I talk, the car I drive, the house I live in, the job I have, and I judge according to what I see. And and that person must be this because this is what I see. But the judgment given, you see, as a kid, I just want to have fun and I don't discriminate because of difference. I don't care if you're black, white, yellow, green, pink, it doesn't matter to me. Can we have fun together? Can we go and do something together? Can we build together? Can we adventure together? But then I get older and I look on and I observe and now I start to discriminate because of what I see. But the awesome thing this morning that I want to tell you is it doesn't matter what others see, it matters what God says. It matters what he's declared over your life. It matters, see, because in your exceptional imperfection, God can do much. God can use you. Most people stop and settle down because I'm not this and I'm not that. But God says, if you will just keep moving, if you will just put one foot in front of the other, I can use you just as you are to achieve the purpose for which I placed you on this planet. Come on, let's give God a hand this morning. The Bible talks a lot about being like a child. It says in Matthew 18, starting in verse 1, it says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Isn't it funny that by human nature, we want to be the best. We want to be the greatest. We want to be the top. We want to excel about, above all others. It says, who's the best? Who's the greatest? Who's going to be sitting next to you at your right hand? God, who, who do you choose? Who do you choose? The, the fact of the matter is this morning, God chooses you. As you are, where you are, doing what you, God chooses you. But it says this, it says, at the time the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them and said, assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. This is massive. Because it flips on its head everything we're taught through our parents, through society. We're taught, grow up, own your own future, excel. You know, you have to earn, you have to achieve, grow up. But, but here Jesus is saying, and I'll read it again, assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as, a little, as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's, it's totally opposed to everything we're taught and have modeled to us as kids. Unless you are converted, unless you shift your mindset, unless you shift the way you think, you can't earn grace from God. You can't earn favor. You can't earn uh, your way into heaven. It's a gift given that has to be received, but it has to be received like a child. When, when Zach comes to me and I give him a hamburger, he just takes it. Half the time, there's not even any gratitude. He just takes it. That's my dad. He provides. We go along and he, he takes it. I want an ice cream. He takes it. I want a drink. He takes it. It's, we have to learn to receive from God. Because so, we can get good at giving. We can get good at pouring out. We get, but we have to receive what God has done for us and what God has for us. Amen? Don't be too serious. Don't, don't get so old and stuffy and fluffy and puffy. That, you know, the Bible says you can be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. But God puts you on this planet for you to enjoy not only his presence, but his promise. 
everything that he has for you, everything that he's laid out for you. There's a path that you can walk that is perfect for your life. It may not be perfect, but it's perfect for your life. Amen? Jesus said, basically, as I paraphrase this, believe in me and the kingdom of God just like a child would. We want theology, we want doctrine, we want what is, what is it, the, the underlying scriptural reference and basis for what you're saying. God said, just believe in me. No, Hebrews says, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things yet seen. We have to switch on faith. We have to flick on and activate faith on the inside of us. Corinthians says that each of us has been given a spirit of faith. There is faith on the inside of you that you can utilize, you can develop, you can grow like a muscle and it will work on your behalf. Is this all right? I'll have a drink of water in a minute. I'll just calm right down. I want to talk to you about you today. I just want to talk about you. Because so often we don't like us. And so often our life looks like a reflection of our internal thoughts about us. Where I am, what I do, how I react, how I respond is generally a reflection of how I see myself. So today I want to talk to you about you and I want to talk to you about how God sees you and the love that he has for you. And even though your life is, is far from perfect, just as you are is exceptional. Keep journeying, keep walking forward, keep waiting on God, keep seeking him. But as you are, just realize that you are perfect in his sight. Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says this, and this is one of my favorite pieces of scripture in all of the Bible. It says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. That is awesome. I'm going to read it again because I'm not sure that you got, this, this, this may be the first time you're ever hearing this, but this is phenomenal. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. This, this few lines is basically a descriptive declaration of whose you are, who you are, and what you're capable of. It is, is, it is a description of your life in totality, the future that you have in God. And it's phenomenal. God has made each of us unique and uniquely gifted. And you need to operate in your giftings. You need to operate in, in who you are so that, so that God can use you in life. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. And the cool thing is you're made by God for God. This is what the Bible says. You were made by God for you. He didn't have one of you and he wanted one of you, so he made you. That should make you feel good this morning. Sitting there in your seat, you should feel good about the fact that God wanted you. You may have been told you're a mistake, you're an accident, but it, it's, it's not true. It says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Hello, that is awesome. God wanted me. If nobody else on this planet wanted me, God did. That gives me purpose. That gives me worth. That gives me, that, that you, are, you are someone of significance. Right where you are, as you are, God wants you. In Colossians, it says this, for him, but for by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or power, all things were created through him and for him. And he's before all things and in him all things consist. That's cool. All things were made by him and for him. We have a responsibility to accept the fact that God wants us, 
And not only are we made by him, but we're made for his purposes. You're powerful. You're unique. You, you, you just as you are, don't feel inferior. Don't feel like you have to step back in life, that there's others with bigger personalities. There's others with more money in the bank account. There's others that are, are bold and confident. The Bible says that the righteous are as bold as lions. You can walk around in life holding your head high, feeling like I am, I am unstoppable. I can, I can defeat giants. I can, I can conquer mountains. There's, there's nothing that can stop me because God is for me and he's in me and he's destined me with a great future. So let's just have a look at Jeremiah quickly. In verse 5, it says, before I formed you. And like I said, do you realize that you're not, that you're not an accident? You've been formed and created by God himself and he's happy with you. God is happy with you. You get happy with you. Get happy with your imperfections. I was talking last week about, you know, actually we were having dinner last night with Nick and Cuss and I said, you know, when I was 19, 20, there was, there was a six-pack, now there's a keg. There was, there, was, there was muscles and things where they should be and now they're where they shouldn't be. But it's okay because there's been a lot of investment into this and, and the keg that is developing nicely, there's... There's been some fun. There's been some journey. Come on, let's laugh this morning. Let's have some fun. You've got you to gotta like you. You've got to love you. You'll never love anybody else. What does it say? That love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second is love your neighbor as yourself. If you can't love yourself, you can't love your neighbor. God wants you to get happy with you. He made you, created you, formed you, put you together, and he's okay with you. Amen? So it doesn't matter how others see you. How you see you, how society sees you, God sees you as perfect. Next thing is, before you were born, I set you apart. And I want to tell you today, you have no say in how sensational you are. You have no say in how awesome you are. God, he's got got the, the deciding vote. And he says you are phenomenal. He says you're awesome. He says you're powerful. He says you're exceptional. He says you can make it. He says you can do it. He says you can get through. He says you can overcome. He says you can press forward. He says you don't have to give in in life. I created you and I know what you're capable of. I love that. Because when I want to give in, the word says don't. When others say you can't, God says I can. Starting that business, stepping into that relationship, stepping out into that investment, doing that thing. When when everything else is from a rational point of view saying don't, God said go go for it. You got one life to live. Why don't you step out? Why don't you adventure? Why don't you have some fun? Why don't you overcome and be what I've created you to be? You're quiet this morning. Is anybody going to help me preach? You're not like everybody else. You're you. So be you. You know, we know the old cliche saying, you were, you were born an original, don't die a copy. But, but don't try and be who you're not. Don't try and be someone else. It, it might be a form of flattery to copy a few little things of somebody, but don't try and ultimately be that person. Be you. Enjoy you. Do you well. David was, had armor put on him that was too big for him. It wasn't his armor. And ultimately, he took off what wasn't him, and he brought down a giant with a sling and a rock. He knew who he was. He knew what he did. He knew how to operate as him, so he did, and he brought down a giant. I believe there's people here today that you're going to be you, the greatest you can, you can be, and you're going to bring down giants in your world. And I feel like there are people here today that you are facing giants. You are facing mountains. You are facing storms. But God wants you to be you with him covering you so that you can bring down giants. Amen? Next thing is this. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. 
Some of us can be, or okay, so God, you wanted me, so you made me, and I'm unique, and I'm uniquely gifted, and you know, that's cool, I can't understand, but a prophet to the nations? I hardly even talk to my neighbor, but you're calling me a prophet to the nations? I, I, I'm, I, I get scared when somebody comes up to say hi to me, and I, 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 don't, I fumble my words, and I don't even know how to respond. God says, I have placed a word on the inside of you that is going to change lives. I've, got, I've placed on the inside of you wisdom and intellect beyond your years, beyond your knowledge base. God wants you to open wide your mouth so he can fill your mouth with his words. I'm telling you, we can be instruments of salvation in Noosa. Because every week we're, we're praying, you know, Noosa, a city for Christ. God, come and let revival come to Noosa. Let our, our neighbors be saved. Let our work colleagues be saved. Our kids, our, our school friends. God, we'll, salvation will come through you. Open your mouth and encourage someone. Open your mouth and prophesy. Open your mouth and declare God's goodness to another person. And watch what he does in the middle of that. I've, I've told stories many times of just traveling along and I feel like God gives me a word for someone so I say that word and that word has changed their life. You know, one of the heads of, um, actually the head of Hillsong Australia, Joel LaBelle, I was, I was in Byron Bay one year and I was traveling about 45 minutes to go for a surf with Joel LaBelle and Phil Dooley and all the way God was speaking to me about this, this couple. And uh, I arrive at the hotel room and I said, guys, I don't want to be weird. I don't want to be that freaky Christian that I've got a word for you. And hey, bless you, brother. I just wanted to go for a surf, basically. And I just said, you know, whatever you're planning to do, do it. God says the time is now. And that's all I said. But there was Joel and his wife and there was Phil and his wife and they're sitting there. The two ladies started bawling their eyes out, like bawling their eyes out and, and w walked out of the room. And the two others just, they sat looking at each other. He said, we've been talking for four hours about what we should do. We've sat here locked in heated discussion for four hours and you've just given us the answer in one second and, and, and one sentence. There is, God will place a word on the inside of you which is an answer to somebody else's prayer. But we have to open our mouths. We have to get beyond our insecurities. We have to get beyond our fear of what others... Why wouldn't you do it? Are you scared of what other people think? Who cares what anybody else thinks? God says you're a prophet to the nations. God says, I'll put a word in your mouth that will change lives. I want to be somebody that is used of God to change lives, that builds people up, that people come in contact with me and they go away feeling better about themselves, that they've come with problems and I may not have had the answer, but I had positivity. I had, I had the spirit of God. I had an ability to speak into their world and say, come on, we're going to get through this. And you, may, you don't have to walk it alone. I'm going to walk it with you. And if God's for you, I'm for you as well. Let's just keep going. Come on, let's just put our hands together for God this morning. Most people think that they have to be a certain way to do certain things, but, but as I read this, this just three, three lines of, of one passage, I see that from your mess can come your message. From, from your imperfect life can come a powerful statement to somebody else. And we've all got our excuses. I'm, I'm too single, I'm too shy, I'm too broke, I'm too divorced, I'm too sick, I'm too hurt, I'm too young. I'm too. We all have reasons why we can't. We all have excuses why we don't. But I want to call you out today and say, do it. Do it for God. Be you. Be the best you you can be. Operate in, in what God has created you to be. We all have excuses. You know, I, I had a look at a, a list this week about famous failures. Anybody want to hear this list just real quickly? First one was uh, Albert Einstein, famous failure. He wasn't able to speak until he was almost four years old, and his teachers said he would never amount to much. We, we can't always believe what's spoken over us. We can't always believe what others declare. They might see he stutters, he can't speak well, he won't do anything. 
God sees beyond and God says, now I've created you a certain way. I've, I've created you with specific skill sets. I've created you powerful and in my image and you will do great things. Michael Jordan, after being cut from his um, high school basketball team, went home, locked himself in the room and cried. Greatest basketballer of all time. MVP six times. Won multiple you know, championships. He was told and he was cut from his team and said, you're not good enough. He went home and he practiced, and he grew, and he practiced, and he grew, and he practiced, became the greatest player of all time. Walt Disney was fired from a newspaper for lacking imagination and having no original ideas. What is lying dormant on the inside of you? Because somebody said to you, you're not good enough. You're not creative enough. You're not special enough. You're not talented enough. You can't do it. I want to call that out this morning and say, you know, you were made. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, and I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Who are you going to believe? Whose word, whose prophecy over your life are you going to believe? The, the, the King of kings and Lord of lords or somebody that spoke into your world and hurt you? The Bible says, guard your heart, for out of it spring the, uh, fall, flow the wellspring of life. Uh, Steve Jobs, at 30 years old, was left devastated and depressed after being unceremoniously removed from the company he started. He went, to, he went on to develop new t technology and new software. He came back and bought that company. I'm sure he fired every person that was on the board at the time. And he went on to become one of the richest men in history. Oprah Winfrey was demoted from her job as a news anchor because she wasn't fit for television. Who's having the last laugh now? The Beatles were rejected by Decca Recording Studios who said, we don't like their sound. They have no future in, sound, in show business. People can get it wrong. God always gets it right. People can say what they like. They can say it out of their insecurity. They can say it out of their fear. They can say it out of their, you know, imperfection. But God is always right. Amen? Amen. You know, David the shepherd boy who wrote poetry, killed a lion and a bear, slayed a giant, became a king. He realized the fact that not only was he made by God, but he was made by God to be used by God. And so this is quite a lengthy piece of scripture, but I want to read Psalm 139 to you this morning. It says, O oh Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down or when I stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say, even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me, and you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to the grave, you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me, your strength will support me. I could ask darkness to hide me and, and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate innermost parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was even born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me? Oh God, they cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake, you are still with me. I love that. I, I, God knows every detail of your life. And he's interested in every detail of your life. It says he knows the, the number of hairs on your head. Mine's getting less and less, but he knows them nonetheless. He's, anyway, a little bit thinner at the back than I used to be. I used to have a long flowing mane. Do you know that? 
flick my hair around. It would be good with these fans nowadays. I could just walk in and it's not there anymore. Now I've just got the big M. That's what Beck Adamson said to me. She said, the M's going along very well. How you see you is not how God sees you. You've got to laugh at yourself. You know, God said that Gideon was a mighty man of valor, even though he was hiding away in a wine press. The disciples he called world changers. You know, you had fishermen, tax collectors, a physician, a tent maker. You had, he said that you are world changers. And I believe he declares the same thing over each of us today. You can change the world as you are, filled with the Spirit of God, walking in boldness and confidence with vision before. You can change the world. What are you going to do? Are you going to use and you're going to operate in what God's created you to be? Or are you going to let fear and insecurity and others' words pull you back? Because it says in Hebrews, it says, we're not of those that shrink back under destruction. We're of those that press forward under salvation. And we've got a big vision for this church. We've got big dreams and big goals. And I tell you, we also have a big enemy. But he will come against us. He will stand against us. But God is greater. It says in 1 John, it says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, I, I saw a little snake crossing the road yesterday, a little brown snake, and uh, I stopped, and my two boys freaked out. They said, it's a brown snake, don't go near it. And I, I kind of wanted to go near it, and so I did. And as I'm going near it, it, it launched at me. It, it just did its, but only for a second, and then it took off, and it was going along, and there was a leaf, one little leaf. There's a snake this big, one little leaf, and it stuck its head underneath the leaf. I could see, I could see it perfectly, but it didn't think I could see. It was, that's the devil. He'll come at you. And he'll lash out, but ultimately he's got nothing. He's got nothing that can stop us. He's got nothing that can take us down. The Bible says we fight not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And we have the authority over those principalities and powers to take them captive, to put them under our feet, to walk in victorious life. This, this little snake thought I couldn't see it and couldn't do anything to it. I didn't do anything to it, but I couldn't do anything to it because its head was under a leaf. Can I tell you, the devil will come out and he'll lash out at you. He'll spit some venom at you. He'll try and scare you and intimidate you. But then he's going to go and stick his head under a leaf because he's got nothing. And, uh, you know, following on from Resurrection Sunday, the Bible actually says that, that Jesus Christ descended to the depths of hell. He put his head, his foot on the head of the devil. He crushed his skull. He took back the keys to death and sin, and he rose victorious. So not only did he rise, he took back what the devil had stolen. He took, he took back, you know, everything that, that we need in life to win. And he said, it is yours, freedom. You know, David was king at 30. He was flawed. There was, there was exceptional imperfection with David. But he achieved much and did much because God was, and he saw himself as God saw him. You know, Esther was a woman who shouldn't have had a voice in the situation she found herself in. But because of the Spirit of God, because of the identity she carried on the inside, she rose up. She knew she could die, but that God was for her. And so she opened her mouth anyway and, and saved an entire people, an entire nation, because she was bold enough and confident. I feel like there's people's destinies lying on the other side of your, your commitment and your conviction to Jesus Christ. So you're, you're going, you know what, I'm going to be bold in life. I'm going to step out. I'm going to do what others have said I can't do because God is for me. Therefore, who can be against me? You know, you and God are the perfect combination for your life. But it comes down to relying on Him. Not doing life in your own strength or in your own intellect, but, but relying on Him in every single thing you do. You know, running a church isn't an easy thing. And we just have to rely on God every day of our life. There's systems, there's structures, there's things we have to do. But, but ultimately, it's, it's God, where are you leading us? 
Where are you taking us? Give us that word that will set people free. Give us the, the understanding and the wisdom to move in your leading so that people can experience your goodness. Can I tell you this morning, nothing can stop you. There is nothing on this planet that can stop you uh, achieving what God has purposed you to achieve except you. Don't let you stop you. Just be the best you you can be. Is this helping anybody this morning? I'm preaching to myself right here. I'm preaching myself happy. I'm preaching myself up. It's awesome. God is good and life is good and the future is bright in Jesus' name. Amen. Lozzie, you might want to come back up. The most important thing in life is that we surrender our will to His. Because I've got a lot of dreams and I've got a lot of desires. I've got a lot of things that I want to achieve. But if it's just about me and it's just about mine, it's just then it's, it's futile. I need to surrender my life. The Bible says he who lays down his life will find it, but he who holds on to his life ultimately will lose it. And I want to encourage you this morning, lay your life down afresh to Christ. Your dreams, your desires, your, because what he has for you and the dreams, you know, Psalm 139, I can't, I can't escape your presence. You know my thoughts before I have them. You know what I'm about to say before I say it. You know when I'm laying down, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm rising, God knows you. He knows who you are, your makeup, because He made you. He's the creator. So He knows the perfect future that He has for you. But I have to walk in His ways to experience His plans. We've got to lay down our life to Him. I love what it says in Psalm 143, in verse 10. It says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. And ultimately, what do we want in life? We want a firm footing to walk on. We want security and peace. And every single thing that the devil comes to take from us, to rob from us, to, to, to bring disunity, to bring dis-ease, to bring this, you know, unrest. Disrest, unrest. He says, teach me to do your will, Lord. Lead me on a firm footing. I feel like just we're going to have a moment here this morning where peace can enter into a tumultuous situation. Where you, and there's, I feel like there are people here and, and your mind races. And what if this? And what if this? And what if this? I feel like God's saying, be anxious for nothing. There is nothing in life that warrants you getting worried about, anxious about. He is for you and not against you. Remember, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord, who are called according to His purposes. I said, can we just, just close our eyes this morning? I just want to pray a really simple prayer. You may want to join me this morning. And, but it says this in Romans, in Revelation 3.20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come to him and dine with him and he with me. And I love that picture because God is so good. He'll never burst his way into our life. He'll never force his way upon you. He says, hey, hey, I'm, I'm just outside the door and I'm really eager to meet with you. I'm really eager to be in the middle of your situation and your circumstance. And I'm knocking. It's not like he stands there going, oh, I hope they open. I hope they feel something and go to the door and check if someone's there. He says, no, 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 I'm here and I'm ready to meet with you. I'm here and my desire, my affection." is for you. I'm knocking and if, if you'll open the door of your heart to me, I will come in and I'll dine with you. There's nothing really more intimate than dining 
with a person, sharing thoughts, sharing a meal, creating memories and moments and enjoying someone's company. God's saying, I want to come in and I'm not in a hurry. I want to come in, I want to sit with you. I want to know your concerns. I want to know your worries. I want to know who you are, what makes you tick, what, what you love, what you don't like. And I'm going to bring answers to your world. So while every head's bowed, every eye's closed, I just want to say here this morning, have you asked him into your heart? Have you invited him in to the, the middle of your world? Because he's standing there at the door knocking and he wants to know you and he wants to be close with you and he wants to help you and he wants you to, to cause you to succeed and win in life. If you're here and you're going, you know what? This morning I just want to pray a prayer that says, yeah, Jesus, come into my life or that welcomes Jesus back central in your world while no one's looking around, every eye's closed, every head's bowed. Would you just lift your hand and say, Christian, just pray with me. We're all going to pray this together. But would you just, would you say, yeah, Christian, that's me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If we stand to our feet, I'm going to, what I'm going to do is we're going to pray, but I'm going to open the altar. And I just feel like God wants to meet afresh with some people this morning. Is that all right? You know, the word is sensational. The word brings life and it's illumination to our, our mind and our spirit. But I know that God wants to touch some people afresh this morning. I can remember encounters that I had in 1995 where somebody laid their hand on me and the power of God hit me and it changed my world. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I ordained you. You are ordained of God to do great things in the earth. What are you going to do? Let God touch you this morning afresh. So let's just pray this prayer and then we're going to go into a time of worship and I just want to open the altar Justin, Melissa, myself, some of the team we're going to pray for you but let's just pray this Jesus, this morning we rededicate ourselves to you we refocus ourselves on your sovereignty on your goodness your majesty thank you God thank you for your son thank you for salvation thank you for freedom God our hearts overflow gratitude for who you are and who you've called us to be. This morning, Lord, we love you with all our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's just worship this morning. And if you feel like you want to come forward and you want some prayer to be filled afresh or just to get a, a touch of God upon your life or for breakthrough or any other thing, I want to invite you forward. You may need healing. You may be just, just in a place where you're, you're lacking peace or or wisdom and you need that just just come forward this morning and let God touch you thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast visit us online at c3noosa.org